Hi, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Vikings Now. Now, one of the more depressing episodes we are about to embark upon as your Minnesota Vikings basically ended their season in their Monday, Sunday night football loss to their arch rivals, the Green Bay Packers, 33-10. to 10. Jim Rich along with everybody here. Ahmad Hicks. Ahmad Hicks. I wanted you guys to, you know, build yourselves <laughs> up, you know? Is the resolution to forget everybody's names you know? in 2024? Yeah, well, you know, it could be. It could be. Here, I'll turn you up a little bit, so I'm sure yeah, everybody yeah. wants to hear from you. Yeah, I bet. Um, all right. Uh, I, I don't know. I was disappointed in the total all effort. You were there. Mm-hmm. You were at the stadium. Yeah. You see Kirk rip the shirt off you could not have asked for a better ancillary moment to the game than that the fans certainly loved it um but it didn't translate to the field in what i observed did you sense a lack of fire in the vikings i'm not talking about execution wrong quarterback whatever those decisions i'm talking about an overall effort yeah, the Packers wanted it more last night. It was evident. It was clear from the jump. I mean, from the first two or three drives of the game when the Packers kind of asserted their dominance, the Vikings didn't do anything, and the Packers went down again and got more points on the right. board. You could just kind of tell, like, that team was playing for something, and they felt like they were the underdogs. That's the sense that I got watching that game last night. When Kirk sounded off that Gallahorn, I mean, U.S. Bank Stadium went nuts. And then about <laughs> seven minutes after that, you didn't hear anything from the fans yeah. until the Green Bay Packers fans started chanting, Go Pack Go. So, yeah, um, no life after the game. I mean, these guys, they weren't butt hurt after the game. I mean, they were they were mad, you know, kicking themselves in the butt, like, ah, you know, we should have got that one, but we'll go back and we'll, we'll, we'll get them next week. But it's also like, eh. Season's kind of over next week. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And you would think, Pierre, that there would be some fire in a a team that even though you're hurt, and granted, those are all great excuses with Mm -hmm. the Hawkinson and the DJ Wanhams and all the players that are on the shelf now, but you'd still think somebody would tee somebody up, a big hit, something, a tackle, do something – and there just kind of was a malaise on that sideline. But again, I'm not there. I didn't play. You've played in games like this, Ahmad. In uh, high what, yeah, well, whatever, <laughs> right? You have that sense. I never even right. did that, right. right? Where you feel a team is going to play well that night, or you could feel, even in warmups, we don't have it. Yeah. And it seemed like for some reason, the team just didn't come into this with any kind of momentum. I think it kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning portion of the season, I think when they started 0-3 or 1-4. And and, and we kind of took a look around the team. We asked ourselves, where are the leaders on this team? Who's the, leaders on, who's the leader on this team? Who's the guy that sets the tone? Whether it's by voice or whether it's by example on the field, who are the players that set the tone? And the only guy that I could come up with in my mind uh, where I could see on the field as far as on the field goes was Josh Metellus, a guy who just seems like he sells out for every single play. Now, you're not going to sell out for every single play over a 17-game season. You're either going to get hurt or you're going to get burnt out. So I'm not suggesting that you know everything has to be 100% on every play every single Sunday. It's just not how it works. But as far as the leadership on this team, I, I – I, it, it, this is a tough one to navigate for me because right because it's a it, not, it, it's not physically in front of you. You can't say that you know what. 
he just didn't run the right route or he just doesn't have the speed. This is an intangible. Yeah, and more to the point, too, it's everybody leads in their, their own different way. You don't just because one guy is a raw, raw guy, bangs on his chest, doesn't mean that the guy who is a little more calm and stern, it doesn't lead. It doesn't mean one way is right and one way is wrong. But I all season long, we haven't really seen an edge or an attitude with this team. And not to suggest that that's what would turn it around, but there's got to be some more fire and urgency and sense of responsibility, especially after the start of, to the season. And then it looked like they had turned the corner. And then yesterday, in an elimination, a quote-unquote elimination right. it was. game, it was the moment they got punched in the mouth first, they didn't even get up out of the corner to come back in the middle of the ring. They yeah. didn't even come back to the fight. They didn't show any fight. That is a huge problem. I huge think, problem. I think the L started before the game. I think listening to all the doubters, all the naysayers, and all the people criticizing Nick Mullins, I think that's where the Vikings lost the game. And I think that's where head coach Kevin O'Connell lost the game. That's, that's what I was trying to I get at. I do not understand like, right, the I'm saying change. there wasn't a feel like, oh, we've got this. Yeah. Like, my thing is, like, look, I get it. Nick Mullins was turning the ball over. He was playing some sloppy football. But so was Kirk Cousins at the beginning part of this season. He was – Getting passing yards, he was moving the team down the field, but they weren't winning games because they kept turning the ball over. It was the same story with Nick Mullins, but this guy had 300 passing yards in his first start, 400 passing yards in his next start, and then you bench him for a rookie with the season on the line, playoff implications, and See, you give a guy his second start? That's what I'm thinking the conversation was in the locker room this week when they found out that we're going with a rookie in the most important game of the year. This is our lives. This is playoff money. This is bonuses. This is a lot of things. This is our pride. And now we're going to have to try and drag a kid through this. And granted, you know, Jaron Hall may turn out to be a pro bowler someday. We don't know. But in that situation, is that's what your coaches give you is an untested rookie. We, we talked about it last night on Vikings postgame tonight. and It was a know, great show, by the way. Well, it was a fantastic show. It's, uh, I believe the ratings are actually second to none from what I understand. So uh, from, but just, in, just above none. In, in, ter <laughs> in terms of, in terms of the, what we said on the show, well, which I shouldn't say we, I said on the show last night, this has the smell of this wasn't Kevin O'Connell's decision. This is an interesting this smells, theory. Talk this about, smells, uh, this reeks to me of a decision that came above Kevin O'Connell because in no way at what point can you explain to me that Kevin O'Connell a former player in this league mm -hmm. that understands scenarios understands what the players think can relate to players better than probably 90% of the coaches out there in what scenario do you present to me we're going to start Jaron Hall over Nick Mullins in an elimination game why why just because Jaron Hall looks good in practice the change was made from Josh Dobbs to Nick Mullins because the offense couldn't get jump-started in the previous two games that Josh Dobbs had started. In the two games, like Ahmad was saying, in the two games that Nick Mullins started, there, there was, yeah, he's, he's a gunslinger. You live and die with the gunslinger. Yep. But the offense was running better. He was getting endorsed by the wide receivers in the locker room after the game. You put up 24 points in back-to-back -back weeks with Nick Mullins as your starter, which... 24 points is kind of like that middle-of-the-road area where it's like it could be enough to win you a game, but it's just not enough to win you a game. Sometimes it just depends on how the game goes. But 24 points 
is enough to put you in a position to win. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that was despite the turnovers in both the games in Cincinnati and against Detroit. Mm-hmm. So even though there were a couple bad throws from Nick Mullins, it was a lot better than what we saw from Josh Dobbs in two pre- previous weeks. So still with your season on the line, why on earth would you turn over the football to Jaron Hall, a guy who's made one start in his career, has less than a year of NFL experience in an elimination game? How do you justify that to the rest of the players in the locker room? Well, and that's what I perceived. And again, that may not, you know, perception may not be reality. That's what it looked like to me, the effort they put out there, because that defense was not engaged. They had no fire to them. Now, th- now that's another road we can go down because Ben Lieber said basically since the second half of the Cincinnati game, something has happened to that defense. Someone has figured out something, meaning the opponents. Man. There was something on tape that the Bengals showed everybody how to neutralize Flores' blitzes. No, I think what it is, Byron Murphy Jr. is not there. And I think he's been such an underrated part for this defense the entire That's season. That's true. We have kind of, you know, we talked about this game here and there. You know, he's, he's shown flashes, and he's also shown some bad plays. But he's also been missed. Last This past game, Cameron Bynum was starting at cornerback. He has not played cornerback in the NFL ever. He told me in the locker room after the game, it's been three years since he played cornerback. But they told him on Monday, you're starting because there are certain guys that we just cannot take off the field anymore. And he's one of those guys. Josh Mattelis is one of those guys. They are trying to do everything they can with the limited options that they have, both offensively and defensively. Pierre, I'll go back to you. I don't know if that decision came from above Kevin O'Connell. I think it's a heck they, of a conspiracy theory, by the way. I will ask around, though, and I will is have to figure out. Is going to sue the Vikings now <laughs> for throwing a game to get a better draft position I mean, and a better schedule next year? Here's my thing. Ty Chandler had the best rushing performance of any Vikings running back with Nick Mullins under center. Then they followed that up and have one of the worst rushing performances the very next week. I think in Kevin O'Connell's mind, it was those plays where Nick Mullins was, all right, he showed the, the flashes of being a gunslinger, throwing the wide receiver open. But when the pocket is breaking down, when you need to go make a play, he could not do that. And I think that's what Kevin O'Connell was thinking. Like, I got to give this team some life running the ball. We know Jaron can make these throws that Nick can, but Jaron can also do this. But I don't think that the play calling last night was set up to see Jaron or Josh, for that matter, in those last two games. Because Josh's last start, uh, oh, yeah. I, I went to a wide receiver. I said, was it on Josh Dobbs? I said, or was it on everybody else around him and Kevin O'Connell? He said it was on everybody. He said we didn't play well around him, and the game plan wasn't set up to see him succeed. He's like, that was not just on Josh Dobbs. He should not have got benched after that. That came from a wide receiver who played with Josh So Dobbs. that's, again, why I'm saying that it appears that the team is disinterested. There's no identity offensively right now, but you can't blame him. It's hard. Like Justin Jefferson said last week, it's hard to replace number eight. And I think everybody in Minnesota right now is realizing just how good Kirk Cousins really is. Like, yes, he has his flaws. He's not mobile. That you know, the pocket passing quarterback is a dying breed in the NFL. But if you're still good at it, there's a spot for you in this league. Joe I, Flacco, look I, at him. I, I just want to go back to what Ahmad said just a minute ago. With in in regards to Jaron Hall in the situation, in, in terms of the decision to start him in that situation, yes, he he has more dynamic athleticism than Nick Mullins. The reason why I bring it up, what I brought up earlier, is you know, there, there's people out there that might be saying, well, you, you know, you invested a draft pick. You got to see what you have invested in this kid. Why not give the kid a chance? You got 
That's a move you make when you're five and eleven. Agreed. And you're out. Right. And you're out of the yes. race. That's next that's, week. That's, that's, that's if you lost to Green Bay, then you give him the start correct. at Detroit. That you, that's that's when you start Jaron Hall. Right. Not when you're seven and eight and you still are in full control of your own playoff destiny. Yeah. That's I, yeah. I understand. I understand the different dynamics that all three of these quarterbacks bring to the table. Um, and like Jim, Jim said. This is not a knock on Jaron Hall. This is not no, for not. me to say that the kid can't play. This is me after watching football for over 30 years and being around this team the last handful of years. I do not understand the thought process at all, how you can come to the conclusion and then explain to the rest of the guys in the locker room that with our season on the line, we are going to go to a guy with less than a year of NFL uh, NFL experience, only one start to his name, and trust that he's going to be the guy to lead us to victory. You're right. That is the thought process yep. that I'm still and, waiting to hear from Kevin O'Connell. And that kind of reverts back to how I started this, is it just didn't seem like there was that we're going through the wall attitude well, how on can, the Vikings. How can you have that mentality as an offense when you don't even know who your quarterback is going to be? Yeah. You don't yeah. even know if you're going to have the consistent playbook. Because here's the thing, guys. When you get a base playbook at the beginning of the season, probably three to 400 plays. Then you add on wrinkles. And I used to love that part about being a receiver because you, you find out new ways that you're going to get the football. You find out new, new um, tricks and gadgets that Coach O'Connell put in. But when you got a new quarterback – you're going back to the fundamentals. You're like, all right, well, we're going to start right here with these base plays. We're not going to have any new wrinkles because I don't know if he's ready for that. But we also got to tailor the offense to do this. So think about being a receiver in this offense. You're like, what are we doing? Like, my favorite plays from five weeks ago, they're not even in the playbook right now. Like, you know, um, versus the Lions, I feel like the, the Vikings' success came on the same play, double moves to Justin Jefferson. And I even asked him after the game, like, how many times did you guys run that play today? Like, I feel like you kept going back to it. <laughs> and I just feel like they don't have an identity offensively since Kirk Cousins. Well, you out. being a receiver, right, you have to develop timing with Chemistry. the quarterback. Yeah. And everybody throws the ball differently. And, you know, that half second gets Jefferson like laid Mullins. out on the field. That's, yeah, that's like Nick Mullins' first pass last night. Jaron Hall was not doing this in the first and second quarter. He was not just giving Justin Jefferson a chance to go make a play. Nick Mullins' first pass that he came in, threw a tight pass to Justin Jefferson, a comeback route on the sideline, threaded the needle. He got it in there. Now everybody could talk about how that was almost an interception and a really bad throw, but it's what good quarterbacks do. They make those type of throws that people question after the fact, but if Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or somebody else does it, we're like, oh, my God, what a great throw. If Nick Mullins <laughs> doesn't, we're like, God, he should be benched because that was nearly an interception. Well, and we haven't even gotten to the part of the conversation of, yeah, he started Jaron Hall, but then Nick Mullins started in the second half. Well, how does that look? How does that look? Is right. that an admission? Is that an admission of failure? Yeah. And now you put your team in a hole, a 30 minute hole. And now you've got 30 minutes just to like, uh, what was it? 17 to three? No, it's 23 to three at the half. Yes. You're in a 20 You're point hole 20. at the half. And now this looks like a complete admission of failure at the half. And I'm starting to think, well, it's too late. Yeah. It's it too late it now. Was. Because the defense, they, they didn't have any luck. Yeah, and, and, and I, I think it's a, it's a fair counter argument of, well, how much if, – if Nick Mullins had started the game, how much of a difference would it have made? I, I don't know. We'll never know. But you, you didn't give your team the best chance to win. Yeah, from the jump. And that making that move at the half seems to indicate to me that you have more belief in Nick Mullins – in the offense when Nick Mullins is running it because now you're in a 20-point hole and now you need points. 
Right. So you need, you need somebody to control the ball. You need points. Hey. You need points. So you went away from the guy who was making his second NFL start to the guy who was just starting for you the last two weeks, and you decided to bench in the first place. Who well, you literally just came out, did a whole press conference for an impromptu press conference to say, there's a reason we went and got Nick Mullins. He's our guy. Yeah. He's, he's a playmaker. Well, well, this goes and then back. he throws for 700 yards, and then you bench him. This goes back to <laughs> what? what this, <laughs> this, this goes back to when you, when you pulled Dobbs. It's the same story. Yeah. You had that bye week, and you said, wow, we looked at all the things. We looked at all the quarterbacks. We found plays that we thought really works with Josh's abilities, and we will, you know, put plays in there that accentuate his talent. And then what happens? But honestly, he I don't, gets hooked. I don't even think it was just Jaron Hall last night watching the game. No, no. no. Yeah, from my point of view, and then watching it back earlier today, that offensive line was atrocious. They couldn't block the Vikings. Garrison had block. a really tough night. He did. Brian O'Neill was limping on one leg the entire game. Every play he got knocked down to the ground. He needed help getting up. I'm like, how are you blocking somebody right now? And you can't even stand on your own two feet by yourself. So my thing is the offensive line didn't do a good job last night. Kevin O'Connell didn't do a good job last night. And the defense got torn to pieces. But what can you do when you it's you have to be able to cover people in the National Football League? And we and Brian Flores, we all know you know this more than anybody. His defenses succeed when they have lockdown cornerbacks. Mm -hmm. yes. He does not have one. No. The other no. cornerback got benched last week, mm -hmm. and a Caleb Evans, you threw him out there this week, and they attacked him just like the teams did the right. previous two weeks. Right. And then you got Cam Bynum, who really plays safety, who's in there. And then you got Makai Blackman, who has half a shoulder. He shouldn't even be on the field right now. <laughs> he has to get his shoulder repaired. And so my thing is, and Andrew Booth Jr., who you drafted last season, you don't even trust him enough to play cornerback. Mm -hmm. So my thing is, what can Coach Flores do? I know everyone on social media wants to point the blame at Flores right now no, and no. I'm not really defending him no, but it's I'm also like what can he do before the season we all talked about how he had no pieces he had no star power to work with and look what he did he made this defense 21 spots better but there comes to a point where you have to realize like look my man ain't got nothing to work with and at some point everything's gonna shrivel that's like, a, that, and where that's is Lewis seen was well, he, I, he I saw him, get, I saw him, was he? He was he on, on the field teams. yesterday. Was, was he, he out there? Okay. He's not one of the four. He's not even a top I mean, that's crazy. Of, you talk about what you just said. Theo Jackson. And think about that. Your number one pick from last season yeah. is not even considered. Instead, you're taking he's players been from the other. He's of the season. No, I Theo know. Theo Jackson know. and Jay Ward are playing over him right now in terms of defensively. So, you have Harrison Smith, Josh Mantellis, Cam Pynum, and then you have, you know, uh, Theo Jackson, Jay Ward. And then there's Lewis. But Ahmad makes a good, a very good point because when you, you play that Blue, aggressive, that aggressive blitzing style that that Brian Flores likes to play, you can't blitz aggressively. But that if blitz you don't have wasn't even, it's not even getting close to getting home right now. Those, ever since that second half of the Bengals game, and Flores has excelled when he's gone against inexperienced quarterbacks yep. when he could do a lot of the looks. And you set up eight, nine guys yeah, in the well, line. It's a talent and thing. It's a talent thing. We, we've said it since the beginning. It, it's The talent has – the lack of talent, no disrespect, has finally caught up to this team. It has. On the injuries of the, the, the injuries and, and lack of depth have finally caught – this team needs help on the defensive line. Yep. This team needs help at outside linebacker. Yep. This team needs help at corner. Yep. There, there is everywhere on the, the, for as, as well as they play. Again, this is – nobody is going to knock me off – the, the crowning of Brian Flores for me at this point, too, because like I'm, I'm said, not saying and, that. And anybody leading up to this point with the with the talent that he's had to do what he has done has been fantastic. And he now deserves an extension. Yeah. And, and now over the last two games, because, you know, we've had injuries and, and, and the fact that the talent just hasn't matched. It's they've, they've run out of gas. 
it's run the 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 train has run out of steam. So all my point. so my question is then your answer is that it's just lack of talent bodies to execute what he's done. So the Bengals didn't expose anything no, it's just from lack that of second half on. Because if you had the talent, you know what Brian Flores could do? He could send the house and they go put his top two cover guys on the two best receivers on the other team say, go lock them down. Mm-hmm. We're going to send the house. You hold your guy up for three seconds. We'll get the game one. He can't do that right now with anybody on his team. They are, they are a blitz-heavy team, confused the quarterback at the line of scrimmage. But I don't know if you guys know, the, the Vikings – rarely play man-to-man coverage. Rare. They're a zone coverage yep. team. Yep. You cannot send the house and you're playing zone behind it because if it gets right, picked up, you're picking it apart like Jordan Love was last night. That's not on Brian Flores. That's on the people that he had. Harrison Smith, loving him to death. Maybe a Hall of Fame safety one day, but he can't cover a soul right now. He's too old. He's too slow. I'm sorry. It's the truth. Cam Bynum, one of the best players that you have on that defense, but he's not a corner. A Caleb Evans, he can't cover anybody. I'm sorry. I like the guy. He's a great guy to be around, but he can't cover a soul, let alone a great wide receiver in the National Football League. Brian Flores has nothing to work with defensively outside of Daniel Hunter, Jordan Hicks, Ivan Pace Jr., Josh Metellus, and DJ Wanham before. Losing Wanham? Come on now. Yeah, that's what I think really hurt. You can't last get it. You cannot get any pressure on the quarterback because now you have just a back, double, you you just got, you're double, double teaming Daniel Hunter and, and a back chipping. Then it's like <laughs> that's the end of it. Who else do you have playing on the other side? Right. right. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. So, so it's like I, there, there's only so many pieces you can work with. So I think right now, I mean, look, I think they need to just, just go lose next week. Dan Campbell, I don't think they're going to lose anyway. He says he's on pure octane right now. <laughs> Control Fury. He's ready to go after that game this past week. But I think the Vikings need to lose. Get a top ten pick. There's going to be a lot of quarterbacks up there. A lot of people talking about who you should take. Use that pick to trade back. Get you some more depth. Get you some more draft picks. Bolster that defense. So you don't want to take a quarterback with no. the first pick? I think you give Kirk Cousins twenty million dollars next. We can year. leave. We He's can leave not that going conversation to take probably yeah. the next week. I, as I well. think you <laughs> you got to bolster this defense though, man. You got enough pieces offensively. Your offensive line's intact. Nobody's going anywhere. Like Mike Zimmer now. Got to bolster the defense. But, you can't win without a defense. We're seeing that. Like, you can survive if you have a mediocre offense in the NFL. Like, you just got to get lucky. But you can't do anything without defense. And like Pierre just said, the no talent has caught up to this team. So if you decide to go into an offseason where you want to touch your offense again, like what they did bringing in Josh Oliver and Jordan Addison and all these people and not do anything to your defense when you got to pay Daniel Hunter, Harrison Smith may be gone. You still don't have a cover. Byron Murphy's going to be in the last year of his deal. Like, you're not going to do any better. DJ Wanham's a free agent. You're not going to do any better next year if you don't improve that defense. So, Quasey has a lot of work to do. I think they need to get draft capital and go defensive heavy. They need defensive interior linemen. I mean, Harrison Phillips, love the guy to death. He's no Dalvin Thompson. All right. Uh, one quick thing before we go. Uh, Alec Lewis of The Athletic put this out there. You probably saw it because you were standing right there where he was. Uh, the Wilfs did not go to the locker room after the they game. They didn't. They go to every – game they did they go through the locker room win or lose and Ziggy talked to us there. before the game he was like can't wait to go get him guys see you guys after the game he was fired up got a picture talking to him and everything he was talking to me and you got a picture of him yeah we got no a, way gabe henderson myself reggie from <laughs> care we were all talking to him before the game he was fired up he's like can't wait for this game guys it's gonna be a great game we're gonna talk after the game this is us talking before the game about that that oh, is our conversation that. where he's literally talking about how he can't wait to talk to us after a win after the game and so, they were in the locker room. So, do day. you read anything into that, or was he trying to make the uh, ball drop in New York? He was he <laughs> getting said, on the jet. He said he was ready to go party after that game, so maybe they were just ready to get back. All right. I know I was. I know I was too. 
I was ready to party at halftime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I went home and went to bed. There was no partying for me. All right, uh, one game left, Detroit. Uh, Just lose it and get draft capital. Pierre? Well, I, I mean, the players aren't going to go out there and lose it. I mean, the players are going to go out there. They're still playing for jobs next year. So there's a lot of players on this team that are still playing for jobs, and whether it's with the Vikings or whether it's with another team in the NFL. He has or, a point. Or whether it's with uh, the newly formed UFL. You know, oh another I know you're very excited football. about that. We're starting so, a podcast on the UFL. So starring Pierre by himself. So um, except for those games that are on Fox and FS1, please watch those. So so yeah, the, the players still have something to play for. Technically, the Vikings are still in the race, although it's highly unlikely that things will break their way in order for them to get into the postseason. And even if they do get into the postseason, you're kind of shrugging your shoulders and say, "Okay, well, you're going to be the lambs of the slaughter to who? Dallas, maybe Philadelphia." Philadelphia uh, is a mess, though. Maybe, we could maybe beat De- Philly right now. Ma- maybe Detroit again. <laughs> what? Maybe Detroit again. Who knows? I mean, well, so it's you over, know, man. It, it's did yeah. You, it did is. Did you hear Dan Campbell's press conference today? Today, no, I haven't heard it yet. Today, it's Jim great. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, he it's, has that team ready to run through a brick wall yeah. on Monday. The Vikings aren't even at practice today. So, so it's um, it's a holiday. I, I vacation am next week. The, 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 the no Wilfs. It's going to be just a line of charter jets out of Detroit. Literally. Viking players go this way, that way. I talked way. to one player last night who said he's already starting to figure out his travel arrangements for after the season. The no Wilfs into the locker room Which is after like the game. Which is late February, right? Next week. The no Wilfs in the locker room after the game makes me raise a little bit of an eyebrow. Yes, it does. Really? No, um, I think so. Um, I think so. Not to say. Well, because he, they have been there throughout this ownership. They've been there every single game. Yeah. And there have been worse losses than this. Yep. They're not hard to find. <laughs> you can find them very easily. But they have been there. I think Kevin O'Connell is going through it right now. Oh, yeah. He's, he's definitely going through it, uh, you know, for as great of a coaching job as he did when that Atlanta game when Josh Schaub right. came in. Like, I mean, he – the way he has managed the quarterback situation moving forward really leaves a lot of questions in my mind. Not to say that he's not a capable coach. We've seen it. I, I think Kevin O'Connell is a capable coach, to be honest with you. I really do. But the last month has just really kind of left me scratching my head. He's like, been very inconsistent. Yeah. yeah. That, and, and, and that's for, for whoever is going to be back on the team next year. When you've watched this and you've seen Kevin O'Connell do what he's done over the last month. I would be coming into next year not questioning my head coach. Not, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm, I'm going to be paying attention to what he does. I'm going to be paying attention to how he handles this adversity. I'm going to be paying attention to see if he has learned from any mistakes that have been made this season. Because over the last month, I haven't gotten the indication that Kevin that Listen, I know the quarterback situation is tough. It's tough when you lose your starter. And I know it's tough when you, when you essentially have three guys where it's like, does it really matter who we pick between? That's tough. That's tough. I get it. However... I don't love the way it's been handled. It doesn't really make a well, whole lot like sense to me. Well, you like a consistent message from the top. You have to. Right? Yeah. I mean, when you're a player, you need a consistent message. You know that, okay, this player messed up. We know there's accountability coming. Or this is who we are. They laid this out since OTAs. This is what this team is going to be. Mm-hmm. And then now we're like, oh, wow. Uh, let's try this. Well, you know what, guys? I was thinking... You know, and you can't have that. If I'm a player walking into meetings tomorrow or Wednesday, <laughs> oh and they're like, hey, we're going to give it all we got, and we're going to go with XYZ at quarterback, I'm like, bitch. I'm like, really? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. like, I'd be like, man, well, we got four more days until we can get back there, pack up, and go on vacation. Like, look, 
There's nothing left to play for. Like Pierre said, there's jobs to play for for guys. Absolutely. Yeah. You want to put good, good tape on film, but the Lions are going to come out there and play motivated football after that. And if the Vikings couldn't play motivated football on New Year's Eve at home. In right, front in front crowd, of a raucous crowd. Your season is right there. You have a path to the pole season. It's in your grasp. You can control it. You win, you win, you're in. It's as simple as that. And that's why I said from the very start, I didn't see any fire. And that's what was most disappointing to me. Yeah, you got injuries. Yeah, you got the quarterback hurt. You got all this. But there wasn't. Uh, we're all in this together, boys. Let's do this. And if you want to expand it a little bit more. And you can still lose. That's fine. Again, we talked about it last night on the show. Two and six at home this year. Yes. It's really bad. Two and six (laughs) on your home field. There's no way to make that look good. It's, as you said, really bad. that, That is just wow. And I have no optimism for next week. No, why would you? Why would you? Nick Mullins did throw for 400, but heck, he may not play. It may be Josh Dobbs. Could be. Why don't you make all all three active and start them in each quarter? Yes. See what happens. Yes. Let's do it. All right. That's enough. We're going off the rails. Uh, For Pierre Newsham, Ahmad Hicks. Yeah, no, I got. Okay, you got me this time? No, no. You remember it. No, no. I was giving you the chance to introduce yourself. (laughs) You hear this guy. You don't. You don't need to. This is what we deal with, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jim Rich, the Jim Rich at Fox yeah. Nine. See, I introduced myself. That's right. Sports director, Fox Nine. Right. How, how would you like to identify yourself? I'm just. I'm second fiddle to Jim Rich. Whatever the station needs us to do, it's because Jim Rich can't do it. So oh, that's oh, why we're. Oh, that's okay. why Pierre and well, I are here. That's like every day. Then <laughs> I wouldn't even be on air if it, it was. <laughs> if there was a, an ability clause in my contract. I would not be here. He right makes now. he makes showing up to work really fun and entertaining, guys. Yes, there you go. Come uh, back next week for the airing of grievances too at the end of the season. Yeah, so we can vent about the offseason yeah. process and what the Vikings should do in the draft. That's right. Will they be top ten or will they be in the middle of the pack and not have anybody to help them out? All right, Who knows? So, so how do people find this when it drops right away so they don't go what? It's already out. How did I miss this? Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Fox9.com, wherever. There you go. All right, uh, I got to go work on my abilities. Thanks so much for joining us for Ahmad Hicks. Happy New Year, Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Yep, first pot of two, zero, two, four. That's what it is. There you go. See, that's why you guys are here. Last (laughs) lack of ability right here. All right, we'll see you. Bye.